0: Good morning. Good morning. Ooh, it is such a nice day to be with the body of Christ. Amen. 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 And we are stand truly as the recipients of so many blessings in our country. This coming Saturday is Veterans Day. It is Veterans Day, and it is very appropriate, I believe, to think though to thank those who have served our country. Uh, in many ways through the U.S. Armed Forces, so uh, no matter what your doctrine or belief is on on war, the role of government, one of the things I think we can all appreciate is that those who serve do so out of hearts that desire, at least believers anyways, to honor God and love their country and love their fellow brothers and sisters both in Christ and in the nation. So uh, if you have served in any branch of the U.S. Armed Forces, I'm going to ask that Stand, any branch. If you have served in any branch as a veteran, stand, stand, yeah, there he is. Thank you. Yes. All right, you may be seated. Uh, thank you. We, I mean that. Thank you for your service. I am the child of a military family, and I can tell you this, many times the ones who bear the brunt of that service are the wives and children uh, in many ways. They give up much time so their dads or moms may go serve. Uh, and so if you're a wife, spouse of, uh, of a veteran, spouses of veterans, would you please stand? Spouses. Yeah, that's right. I see you. You're like, no. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. All right. You may be seated. Uh, and we just want to truly recognize that. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your sacrifice. Uh, as the men or women go forth and serve on deployment or training, uh, the, the other spouse is left behind at home holding things down. And if it's anything like my household, you know that's the real seat of leadership there are those who are serving in the home front. So thank you, and we honor you. So say thank you to a veteran this week. And express your gratitude. We're going to be in Psalm 100 this morning. The title of the sermon, if you're taking notes, and I hope you are, is Soul Food. Mm. Yes, they're getting hungry already. It's the Lord's Supper, no incident there. Soul Food, So Full, and the Spread of the Gospel. Soul Food, So Full. Full, and the spread of the gospel. This will be a two-part sermon series. Uh, This week we will cover that first part, soul food. As we approach Thanksgiving, the Thanksgiving holiday, uh, we're going to be having a special guest preacher here the Sunday before Thanksgiving, which is going to be part of our Nine Marks Conference on November 19th and 20th. If you have not signed up or registered for that yet, I encourage you to do so. Uh, It'll be a Sunday, Monday We're going to have uh, some guys out from that ministry, and they're going to give a conference here. And so you can check that out on our church Facebook page. The link will be there if you're not on Facebook. uh, uh, Probably a link will be sent out some other way, or you can just check with me after service. We'll get you hooked up. So that is uh, November 19th and 20th. So I want to take these two weeks that I will be preaching and really start to lead up. So soul food. We're going to talk, of course, obviously, Thanksgiving coming down about gratitude thankfulness next week we're going to build a theology of feasting where does feasting play in the bible and no it's not going to be a sermon on gluttony that would be untimely all right so so be a theology of feasting god actually commands his people in the old testament and i will propose the new he commands his people Several times a year, definitely in the Old Testament, to come to Jerusalem and basically have a big party and gorge themselves, all right? So that'll be a a fun sermon as we approach Thanksgiving. But today, we're on soul food, soul food. Now, what exactly would a trip to Costco on a Saturday? Mm. Sure, it just gives all of you that good feeling. A trip to Costco on a Saturday of a holiday weekend. Ooh, you're probably feeling that tension in your chest well up, aren't you? And and as you're walking through Costco, you're suddenly struck by the similarity of the feeling you have of road rage. Only you're not on the road. What's wrong with these people? Why can't they walk? Who stops in the middle of an aisle? obstructing the flow of traffic both ways. You start to feel this you start to feel this sense of irritation, frustration, anger flash over you. I have felt this too many times. <laughs> or let's switch the scenario a little bit. strife at home. Man, I'm just doing all this work, working and working and working, and you don't seem to be recognized for it, appreciated for it. You feel as if your spouse is constantly picking on things and never seeing the good big picture of what you're doing. You don't feel like you have the requisite help you need, and, and it seems like things that once you used to love about this person, suddenly now are the things that drive you the, just Crazy. It shifted a little bit more. Perhaps you're a type of person and you struggle with depression. You feel alone often, even when you're surrounded by people. Maybe you go home and you're alone. You decide to drown out some of the loneliness by zoning out on Facebook a little bit. Only to be met with pictures of friends hanging out with other friends. Seemingly having a great time without you. Or you see pictures of families and they're just always happy and smiling. Why are their families so perfect and mine is so not? Shift it again. Maybe you struggle with fear, anxiety. You stay awake. Long hours each night trying to fall asleep, hoping your brain will turn off, but it never seems to. And then or whenever you finally do fall asleep, you have a, a very brief period moment of rest before you're woken up again by your thoughts. And then you're up and then now this is this terrible cycle where you go throughout your day and you're tired and stressed. Or let's shift it one more time. You're here and you're full of regrets. Mistake you made, something that happens, you just can't seem to get over. It seems to mark you. It. You carry it with you everywhere you go. It taints everything you do. A few pictures, a few scenarios that I think many of us will identify or resonate with in some form or fashion. What does all of this, if anything, have to do with thankfulness and gratitude? How, if at all, can a biblical doctrine of thanksgiving help? Well, let us pray, and we will see by the grace of God. Father in heaven, Lord, I know there are real struggles and hurts in this room this morning. I know many of the things that I've said probably have struck a chord of pain like a nerve. I pray that that pain would be met by your powerful, unfailing, hopeful word, that there is joy, peace in Christ that cannot be shaken, cannot be taken away, cannot be stolen, cannot be snuffed out, but it can persevere through anything. And so, Father, may you fuel our faith in Christ as we consider the manifold blessings of God. And may we say, as our fight verse was this past week, this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And may we look to things that are unseen and eternal, we pray. In Jesus' name, and for His glory, we ask these things. Amen. All right, I have a few points. Number one, three points. Number one, famished by ingratitude. Famished by ingratitude. That's point number one. So let's get to it. Now, before we get to this psalm, Psalm 100, this psalm calls All the earth to rejoice. Calls everybody Jew, Gentile, mainland, islands, Puerto Rico, Mexico, California, all the earth, rejoice. Calls everybody to rejoice. No exceptions, no caveats, no fine print. And then somehow it ties all of that into thankfulness. Enter his courts with thanksgiving." Now before we get to that, we should pause to consider the reason and role of ingratitude and why we would need to be called to thanksgiving anyways. Why do we have to be called to it, stirred up to it, commanded in it? So let's consider this role of unthankfulness or a heart of ingratitude. Now one of the first things that we find is that we don't personally take gratitude and thankfulness very seriously as a culture, do we? Yeah. We don't take it very seriously. That's the first thing we find. The other thing we're going to see is that God takes it very, very seriously. So we don't take it seriously enough. God takes it extremely seriously. So let's examine both of those, that we don't take it Take thankfulness very seriously. Now, I imagine whatever problem you came in here with, whether it be marriage, parental struggles, maybe challenges at work, chronic health issues, a diagnosis maybe, strife with friends, trying to figure out God's will for your life, or maybe even struggling with the church, I would venture to guess that you don't immediately think of gratitude as a vital component to solving those issues. I'm going to guess, just just throw it out there, that, that when you think of that struggle that you have, that thing that you came here carrying this morning or this week, I'm going to guess that your first thought wasn't like, I need to be more grateful. That probably wasn't your first thought, but I would suggest it is a vital component to solving those issues. I would actually go further and suggest that one of the reasons why we lack joy and peace in our trials and in our suffering is precisely because we have a fundamental lack of gratitude and thankfulness. Think about that. One of the reasons we don't have more joy, more peace in, amidst, through our trials, our struggles, is owing to a fundamental lack of gratitude and thankfulness. We don't take it seriously enough. Or let me say it like this. Think of the Christian graces that you need to grow in. Maybe the fruit of the Spirit is a summary of some of those. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Think of those Christian graces what comes to your mind. Maybe you say love. I need to be more loving like Jesus, radically, just loving everybody. Amen? Amen. We need to grow in that. It's true. Or maybe service. You think of the Christian grace of service. I need to serve more. I need to serve more like Christ, the Son of Man who came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. I need to serve my, my, my wife. I need to serve my children. I need to serve at work. I need to serve in the church, perhaps. And I need to serve sacrificially. Maybe that's what you need to grow in. Think of faith. Ooh, we need to have greater faith, don't we? Faith to step out of the boat, to move mountains, and do mighty acts of service for God, and take risks. All good things, right? Those are probably the graces that come to your mind, but whatever it is that you plugged into that list, I bet very few of us would say gratitude. We'd all say yes. Yes. Faith, yes, love, yes, service. How many of us, first thing that comes to the top of that list is gratitude? I need to grow in thanksgiving. It doesn't seem all that significant compared to the others, does it? Kind of seems like, you know, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. Like, that's an A thing. And thankfulness, that's somewhere on list B or C, perhaps. Yet, let's think of each of those graces without gratitude present. Consider faith for a moment. Suppose your faith was devoid of gratitude. What would it look like? It would look like an empty religion, full of service, devoid of zeal, conviction. It would be empty and ineffective without gratitude. Think of service. Without gratitude, you're going to find that over and over, every time you serve, over time, that service you render is more and more accompanied by a victim mentality. I'm the only one serving God this way. I'm doing all of this and nobody cares about me. I've overcommitted myself and, and now I might give in to complaining about everybody else, how everybody else is out to get me and and. Just trying to help. I'm just trying to help. Poor me. That's what will happen when you serve without gratitude. Or let's think of love. What happens without love? Or love without thankfulness? Here's what's going to happen. Your love will be shredded by disappointment and disillusionment because of the nature of men and women. So as you think of these areas you need to grow, I want to encourage you this Thanksgiving season to see gratitude as an essential ingredient to progress in, in each of these areas. Now, we don't take it as seriously as we should, and God sees it as far more serious. Let's go there. I could give you all the numerous commands of Scripture, but I'm going to ask you to go to Romans chapter 1. Go to Romans chapter 1. Now, there's a ton of commands. I'm going to skip over all of them. To be thankful, to give thanks, praise God with thanksgiving. There's just a ton of them. But we could look at the negative effects to see also how important it is. So let's look at the negative effects in Romans chapter 1. Now, what comes to your mind? This is a famous chapter, okay, in the Bible. Romans chapter 1, the great book of Romans, what comes to your mind? What type of sins come to your mind when you think of Romans chapter 1? I'll tell you one of the most famous ones, homosexuality. That's one of the most famous ones. We think of, it starts right out in verse 18, ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Or perhaps we skip down, we think of the exchanging of the glory of God for created things. Or we think of the effects of God's giving people over to a sinful, debased mind like homosexuality, sexual immorality. And then he's going to list a lot of things in Romans 1, verse 29 and 30. Check this list out. You have it before you. Romans 1, verse 29 and 30, it says, They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedience to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. What a heavy list. I mean, you don't get, really. That covers all the bases of wickedness, pretty much. And what would precede, go before such wickedness, do you think? Go to verse 21. Verse 21, before he gets in all that list, what preceded these great acts of wickedness? For although they knew God, here it is, they did not honor Him, as God, or what? Or give thanks to Him. But what happened? But they became futile, and their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Whew. God sees thankfulness as deathly serious. If time permitted, we could find ingratitude amongst other Heavy hitting lists of wickedness in the Bible, like Second Timothy chapter three, verses one through five, second Timothy three, one through five. But we're not gonna go there. You can look that up later. I'll trust the point's been made with Romans one. But suffice it to say, God takes ingratitude very seriously. It's often the first step away from God. It's the first step away from God. And the result of not seeing its weightiness and prominence is that we are a culture that is famished by ingratitude. We are famished by ingratitude. So that's the bad news. What's the remedy? What is the soul food that we need? Here's the soul food. Number two, feasting on the goodness of God. So when you are famished by ingratitude... What is the solution? To feast on the goodness of God. That is your soul food. Now, as you feast on the goodness of God, what you're going to find is that your soul begins to become full and overflowing in thanksgiving and praise. Now we can come to the psalm, Psalm 100. The psalmist here, he's going to call all the earth to enter the courts of God with thanksgiving and praise. Let's go to verses 4 and 5. With me. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. See that word for there? It's very important. Verse 5. Verse 4 ends, give thanks to him, bless his name. Verse 5, the first word is what? For. He's giving a reason. Why would you give thanks to God? Why would you bless his name? For, or you could read it like this. Let's read it backwards. The Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Therefore, verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And his courts with praise. Give thanks to Him. bless His name. Now the psalmist is going to highlight the grace of God in verse three and the goodness of God in verse five. Let's look at verse three. "No. He's calling you, right? No, think. See. Behold. Consider that the Lord, that would be all caps, Yahweh, He. Is God. He is Elohim, the Most High. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. He created us. And we are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Now let's read it with a little bit different emphasis on the we. Check this out. Know that the Lord, He is God. The, know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. Us and we. We are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Why is that important to highlight? Don't forget about what the psalmists regularly, regularly, often, repeatedly declare of our rebellion our fallen nature, our stubbornness, our ingratitude, our wickedness, our sin. Who are we? Who are we that this great God, the Lord, Yahweh, would come and adopt us who deserve nothing? We don't deserve to be His sheep. We deserve to be slaughtered under the weight of the judgment of God, because all have fallen short of the glory of God. But yet, we, we are His people. We are His sheep. And He is our shepherd. And He wasn't content to just stay at a distance, was He? No, that shepherd came down to the pasture the good shepherd, the one who laid down his life for the sheep. Jesus, didn't he? And this incredible grace, this incredible grace on one end begins to set the stage for the thanksgiving and the goodness of God. Now as we consider the other end, verse 5, the Lord is good. We think of this, that God regularly defines His goodness in terms of His covenant faithfulness and His love and mercy. So think about this. The Lord is good... And here it is, his steadfast love. You could read underneath steadfast love. That is God's covenant love for his people. He doesn't have that steadfast love necessarily for everybody, everywhere, at all times. That is his covenant love for his people. It endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Oh, if you guys aren't in Sunday school, you should be a part of a Sunday school. I encourage you, they're learning and growing tremendously. But I got to sit in on our brother, Pastor Jim's, and he spoke about Exodus 33 this morning, and I had it ready to roll too. So they got primed. Notice how God ties his goodness into his mercy and grace and love. Notice this. In Exodus 33, 18's famous passage, Moses says, Show me your Glory. Remember, Moses asked, I want to see your glory, God. And this is what God says in verse 19 to Moses. I'm going to make all my goodness. There it is. Moses says, show me your glory. God answers, I'm going to make all of my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will, here it is, here's the tie-in. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. The goodness of God is delineated by His mercy and grace towards sinners. Or as Paul says in Romans 2, do you not know that the kindness of God is meant to lead you to repentance? Beloved, God is incredibly good and merciful and gracious. He's faithful to His promises, and He's patient with His people. I'm going to ask you to consider regularly God's grace and kindness to you in opening your eyes to see and behold Christ by faith. How often do you think about His kindness to do so? That He saved you, He washed you and made you clean by the blood of His Son. He forgave you of your sins, your transgressions, your disobedience. He gave you a purpose, a place in His kingdom. He adopted you as His people. Once you were not His people, but now you are His people. Consider that, beloved. Don't just consider what He saved you for, also consider what He saved you from you ever thought about that? As you consider the goodness and grace of God, have you ever had moments, sometimes they're short and fleeting, that you think, man, praise God, what He saved me from. Where would I be today were it not for the intervening kindness and grace and power of God? The goodness the undeserved favor of God towards you is a mighty antidote against ingratitude. It's a mighty fix and weapon against unthankfulness. Number three, so soul food, feast for the soul, feast often on the goodness and grace of God to provide you ample fuel For your gratitude. So, number three, flowing in thanksgiving and praise. Flowing in thanksgiving and praise. A heart that is feasting on the goodness and grace of God is a heart that is cultivating a spirit of thankfulness. This doesn't just happen, all right? This doesn't just uh, poof, okay, today I'm gonna be thankful. You know what's gonna happen? You're going to blow it, like, within minutes. Okay? I'm serious. You're going to blow it within minutes. So you have to feast regularly and often on the goodness and grace of God towards sinners. Because what do you deserve in this world? Death. Death. And if you don't get death, everything else is what? Grace. But you don't just get everything else. You get Christ, the desire of nations, the Son of God. He is your inheritance. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace. And so we need to cultivate a spirit of gratitude, and we do so by feasting on God's goodness and grace. And then we start to see passages like these in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18. Check this out. Notice the commands, the string of commands that will sound familiar. And then notice, boom, thankfulness. We could do this all day long with the New Testament, okay? Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. Sometimes you don't like that word all, do you? Okay, maybe most. Every single one but this one. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Amen. You ever wondered what the will of God is? People ask me all the time what does God want me to do? This or that? A or B? This school, that school. This job, that job. You ever wondered? What is God's will? We tend to think of it in terms of decisions. God tends to think of it in terms of disposition, with thanksgiving, with joy, and trust through prayer. This is the Bible's directions. The Scriptures command us to give thanks in everything. Not just the general thankfulness when things go our way. Ooh, spot, open up, Costco. Yes, praise God. Oh, yeah, the police officer let me off with a warning. Yes, praise God. It's not just a, genuine th- a general thankfulness. It is genuine gratitude in every event, the painful and the joyful, because we have a good God who rules and reigns over all things, Amen. and because he commands it. And as he commands everything, he commands it for our good. For our good. Ooh, we're starting to get to the very practical level of this. God commands it for our good. He commands gratitude because gratitude acts like an unstoppable engine in the sea of turmoil that keeps you going no matter how big the waves come over you. Or it's like a compass. No matter how thick the foliage of your life is, it'll lead you to joy. It'll lead you to peace. Listen to this famous verse again, now with new ears dialed in for gratitude. Famous verse, another one. You'll probably know it kind of more or less off the top of your head. Philippians 4, 6 through 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, here it is, With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Hmm. Suppose you take out one of those components. You get no peace. You see the lens through which gratitude functions to lead us to the joy and the peace of God in any and every trial and circumstance we could say gratitude is like a lens, glasses. If I have, there you go, thank you. I like this, participation. Thank you, Sagey. (laughs) Gratitude is like a lens, glasses, through which you see reality, God's reality, not just a a general uh, atheist type of thankfulness where you just thank the universe or thank heavens or somebody, Biblical Christian gratitude are like glasses that enables you to see what you couldn't see without it. To spot blessings where you wouldn't have been able to see them otherwise. Famous theologian and pastor Matthew Henry, he wrote the most famous commentary on the whole Bible in a single volume ever written. Charles Spurgeon said of Matthew Henry's commentary, every pastor should read it at least once in his lifetime. It's High praise from the Prince of Preachers. This Matthew Henry was robbed one day. His belongings and personal effects were stolen. It's a traumatic experience anytime anybody's robbed, violently, threatened. Matthew Henry sat down later reflecting on this event, and he wrote it down in his journal. It's good to keep a journal, spiritual disciplines, plug, Sunday school. Again, check it out, sign up, foyer, new semester coming in December, sign up for classes after service. Matthew Henry wrote in his journal, he wrote four things about that robbery. This is what he said, note the glasses, that would enable, well, how would you respond if you got robbed? Kill him. Find them, kill them, taken, right? I will find you, I will kill you. Give me my stuff back, right? Put on the lens of gratitude, this is what Matthew Henry said. Number one, I am thankful that he never robbed me before. (laughs) This is awesome. I'm like, who thinks like this, right? Godly people, apparently. I am thankful that he never robbed me before. Number two, I am thankful that although he took my wallet, he did not take my life. Number three, although he took all I had, it was not much. (laughs) And number four, perhaps the most striking one, I am glad that it was I who was robbed, not I who did the robbing. That is a perspective. I am thankful that it is I who was robbed, not I who did the robbing. That, beloved, is stunning. That is a heart that is overflowing in the grace and the goodness of God that He recognizes were it not for the grace of God, that would be me. And because of that, I can give thanks. Now, I could give you a lot of other biblical reasons to be thankful today. Like, it's like Jesus. It's what Jesus did. That's always a good reason, right? It honors God. It draws you near to the heart of the Father. It is a biblical pattern in the New Testament, right? I could just go on and on and give you reasons. There's more joy. It's what we are be doing forever and ever. Jesus did it before he entered the greatest moment of persecution in all of history. We're about to talk about that right before his crucifixion, when he could have been self-absorbed, self-pity, self-focused, woe is me, poor me. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm suffering. Hours before that, what's he doing? Blessing, giving thanks, Father, for the bread and the cup. Could give you a lot of biblical reasons to be thankful for whatever trial you're in. But I'm going to move on We know God commands it, I think. Most of us now have a sense of its seriousness and the promise of joy in cultivating it. So what I want to do today, as we close, is leave you with some practical, nitty-gritty challenges to go home with as we enter the Thanksgiving holiday. You want to do that? So let's get it from up here to down here. Okay? Practical challenges to go home with talk about over lunch, adapt to fit your situation, and make it happen. So before we do that, here's a very practical warning first, okay? Before I give you the challenges, here's a practical warning. Here's what I do not, do not want you to do at this sermon, okay? Here's what I do not want you to do. Don't let me hear it. I will be not happy with you. If you find somebody who is hurting or suffering amidst serious trial, tribulation, or persecution this week or in two weeks to come or whatever this month, do not give them trite answers and pat answers and say, just be thankful. Didn't you hear Pastor's sermon? What's wrong with you? This would all be better if you would just be thankful. Don't do that, please. Please save yourself save that other person. I'm just going to warn you now, do not do that. If you encounter somebody like that, and you probably will, here's what you do. You weep with those who weep. You don't worry about what their disposition should be. You be thankful that you can be there, that you can help them and help in any way you can. All right, I have to say that because I know scores of good-intentioned believers will enter situations like that, hoping to help and say something that just rubs salt on a wound. A timely word is priceless, okay? So you be thankful. You be thankful that you can be there for them and help. That's your warning. Now let's get into the positive practical, all right? Spouses. Spouses or perhaps you're not married. Maybe you're single, maybe you have a roommate, maybe you live alone, maybe you have co-workers that you work daily and very closely with. Maybe you have a brother or a sister whom you live with and you're in that age category and you have to deal with them on a regular basis. So apply this to your relationships, okay? The most intimate, close relationship you have, that's the one I'm talking about here, okay? You have 20 days till Thanksgiving. 20 days. Here's my challenge to cultivate Thanksgiving. Of course, you're going to be feasting on the goodness and grace of God. Yes, do that. And as that overflows, I want to challenge you not to say anything negative to or about your spouse, friend, or coworker for the next 20 days. Or maybe it's your child. Challenge you. Whew. Does that sound easy to you? Now I'm going to be selling some rib cage protectors. Okay, after services, so that uh, okay, you guard your rib cage. The next 20 days, don't say anything negative to or about your spouse, friend, or coworker, and instead. Replace it with a compliment or a thank you for something they've done. Some of you are going to blow this before lunch is over. I guarantee. I guarantee. And what will happen is you might find that the difficulty of this demonstrates how pervasive complaining and unthankfulness has crept into your heart. That's what you'll find and how God desires to change you. To change you. So, don't say anything negative to or critical to or about that person, whoever's in your mind, whoever that is, to or about, and instead say something thankful or positive to them. Express your appreciation for something about it. Now, some of you are like, I'm going to have to think really, really hard. No, you're not. You'll have to repent really, really hard for having a critical complaining spirit. Ouch. Ouch. I'm telling you, this is is very practical stuff, all right? Very practical. Now, some of you may be wondering, but wait a minute, what about sin? Does this mean I can't deal with sin? No. We shouldn't see confronting sin as something that's negative, although it can be done in a negative and critical manner. It can have a backdrop of love and appreciation and ought to. Amen? Now, Like I said, most of you are going to blow this before lunch. Seek forgiveness. Purpose 20 days. 20 days. Number two, make it a point to seek out someone each day who has invested in your life somehow and express your heartfelt appreciation for them for 20 days. Now, that, the, one, the, the prior challenge was for your spouse or somebody who's really close to you, right? This one is anybody, all right? We're opening it up for 20 days, right? One day, one person that has impacted or invested in your life that you just reach out to them. It doesn't matter if it's somebody from 20 years ago or 20 minutes ago that had an impact on you, that you just reach out and express your heartfelt appreciation. And technology has made this easier than ever before to do. All right? We are connected at all times, at all places, for good, better, and worse. All right? So make use of that. Facebook, social media, text message, email, and write out something really good. Make it heartfelt. Like, hey, thanks, Donna, for being awesome. God bless. No, no, right, Donna? I appreciate how you do X and Y and Z. And it encourages me. I just want to thank you and encourage you to keep going. 20 days. Reach out to somebody who's invested in your life. Number three, maybe you're blessed by someone's actions and they have no idea. These are just ideas now, okay? You don't have to do all of them. Just giving you ideas. Maybe you're blessed by somebody's actions and they have no idea. Could be that cashier at the register who just gave you a really exceptional greeting and was very kind. Maybe it's your neighbor who has a a nice, pristine yard that normally you're like, man, I wish my yard looked like that. Instead say, praise God, your hard work blesses me every day as I drive down the street. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. Or stop by the, that person's manager, that cashier's manager, and say, hey, I need to see a manager. And their eyes are probably going to get kind of big. Oh, here we go. It's one of those angry customers. And you just say, hey, you know what? This cashier dude just did a fantastic job. He's representing you guys well. Thank you. Tell him we said thank you right? Something like that. Or, here we go, the last two. There's that big thing on your mind, that challenge that's been sitting there that you came in with that I maybe mention a little bit that struck a chord, a nerve, that thing that's on the forefront of your mind often, that problem or person. You've likely thought extensively on what's bothered you about that person or situation, I could probably ask you, what is it that bothers you about this? you probably give me a list. Boom, 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 boom. Now I want you to think about that situation and what God is doing in you and in them and through them and thank God for it. Thank God for it. You tracking with me? Whatever that person, problem, situation, what is God doing in me? and them, and through this whole thing, and praise God for it. And maybe you'll have a little Matthew Henry entry in your journal that I'll quote in my sermon one day. Thank God that it was not me who robbed. Last one. Keep a journal. Keep a log. Five things that you're thankful for each day for 20 days. Even on hard days like Matthew Henry, keep a log. Five things. What am I thankful for today? What did God provide for me today? How did his goodness and grace manifest itself to me today? Now I'm going to say preferably not a mental log, write it down. Why? Because we can keep a mental log. What happens with our mental log? We forget. We forget. And oh how much a problem forgetfulness is within gratitude. So write it down and you're more than likely not to forget. Psalm 100, verse 4 and 5. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you truly are good. You are great, and your grace is unending towards us. May we feast on that this morning. May we feast on it literally and symbolically now as we enter into the Lord's table. And may you satisfy our souls to where we are full and overflowing with thanksgiving, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now is a time of response. Uh, Our response is going to be to sing in praise to God we're not going to do an invitation this morning, and then we'll lead right into the Lord's Supper. All right? Thank you. God bless.
1: So, um, right now we're going to take up our offering. And, Bob, thank you so much. <coughs>
2: Hello again. You know, one thing I've really found is the more I can hold that thankfulness and gratefulness in my heart, the more it helps me share that with others. Because the more grateful I become on what God does in my life, the more I can understand how to share it with others so they can realize that. And I really think that's what God wants us to just practice. So let's go to him in the throne room today. Please bow your hearts with me. Father God, I give you all the glory, and I thank you for this time to be able to come together with my brothers and sisters and lift you up in praise and song. And Father, I just ask that you continue to give us the strength we need to reach out to those around us, to bring that light that you've so richly blessed us with to others. Father, as we reach into our pocket today to show... How much we love you, Father, it's more a sign of trust. Because you've told us in Malachi, Father, to test you, to, to put those ties out there, and you will bring them back to us many times over. But, Father, if we put that gratefulness out there, it too will come back to us many times over. So I just give you all the glory. I thank you for all that you do, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do you need this
1: I cannot comprehend The agonies of Calvary You, the perfect holy one Crushed your son Who drank the bitter cup Reserved for me Your blood has washed away my sin Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table. Jesus, thank you. sacrifice were brought near. And by your perfect sacrifice I've been brought near. Your enemy you've made your friend. And pouring out the riches of your glorious grace. Your mercy and your kindness know no end. my soul. i want to live for you. Lover of my soul, I want to live for you. Love of my soul, Jesus thank you The Father's wrath will leave me satisfied Jesus thank you What's your enemy? Now seated at your table Jesus thank you
0: seated. Thank you. Um, We're going to enter our time of the Lord's Supper, and this is a really interesting part in keeping with the sermon. Uh, The Lord's Supper, another name for it throughout church history, is not really one we use much due to the Catholic connotations with it, but has been called the Eucharist. The Eucharist. That word is literally the Greek word for thanks. Eucharisto, I give thanks. In light of this sermon on grace, the goodness of God, and thankfulness, really the Bible truly does not conceive of thankfulness without grace. At the very center of thankfulness is grace. Now in the English, this isn't seen as easily, but in the Greek, the word for grace is charis. We have a charis in our church. She's back there, right there. We have a charis. That's the Greek word for grace. Now, hear the word, eucharist, eucharisto. I give thanks, gratitude. You don't have thankfulness without grace, do you? Likewise, the Greek word for gift, charisma. You ever met somebody who's very charismatic? It's the Greek word for gift. So neither thankfulness nor gifts can be understood properly in the scriptures apart from the grace of God towards sinners in forgiving our sins and granting us Christlikeness. Amen. And so, as we approach the table, we truly do, with Jesus, with Paul, with the church throughout history and all across the planet, give thanks for the grace of God in Christ. So, we're going to read 1 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 26. And remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And so I'm going to give a few directives now how we do it if you're just visiting with us. We're going to sing, uh, I believe, in response to this. And let this time, as Psalm 100 says, sing out in joy, come into his presence with singing. Let your thankfulness, your gratitude as you wait be expressed in your song, your heartfelt praise to God. Now, as you come, some of you will come forward. You'll see what everybody does. Try and keep the line short again and let your focus be as you are praising God. Okay, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you truly for your grace, for the many gifts you have given us, but ultimately, we thank you for Christ's For the body and blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin and unrighteousness and grants us eternal and everlasting joy. So may that be what motivates, what drives us as we serve you in faith and reach out to the world in love. In Jesus' name, amen.